0: what's up everybody happy Tuesday I hope you are all finding your power as you venture into this week the world needs you baby take three deep breaths in through the nose out through the mouth right now as deep into the belly as you possibly can (sighs) to set the tone for your day ahead or perhaps set the tone for your afternoon, wherever you find yourself listening to this episode. So today's episode is with my good friend, my brother, the herbal chef, Chris Sage. Uh, This was a fantastic conversation, diving deep into the mystical. His, His life's journey has been Uh, profound to say the least he was on his way to becoming a doctor when through the incidents of divine inspiration uh per the vehicle of psychedelic mushrooms he was his life path was drastically altered and he decided to become a chef and not only a chef, but a chef who focused on incorporating cannabis into very high-level cuisine. Um, I have had the pleasure of going to his cannabis-infused dinners that have been put on around L.A., and his work is is masterful. Um, And his story... So this episode was really about getting onto your destiny path. And how does one do that? What is destiny? If we take the definition from Webster's Dictionary, destiny is something that is to happen or has happened to a particular person or thing. It's lot or fortune. The predetermined, usually inevitable or irresistible course of events. The power or agency that determines the course of events. Uh, destiny, otherwise known as fate, perhaps, um, you know, is known throughout uh, history, throughout mythology, uh, folklore, etc. In fact, on my left forearm, I have the Latin phrase, profatum, which means sacrifice for destiny. I got this tattoo when I was 19 or 20 years old and I was in the midst of my destiny path towards the NFL and my life has always felt as though it's, I am being pulled in a very specific direction and that I have found to be always the direction of my heart and all of us have a destiny. We all, and, and the way I look at destiny, it's your life's purpose. It's your life's trajectory. We all have a destiny. that Now, free will comes into that picture as well and makes it much more complex than something that is simply happening to you. And based on the decisions we make throughout our lives, that alters the course of our destiny path. Now, you have a highest self, a highest greatness destiny path, which is what I'm talking about here. How do you tap into that? How do you tap into your highest greatness as an individual and your very uniqueness and your very unique expression of the universe manifesting itself in the one that is known as you? How do we find that? What is the sensation? What is the feeling? What are the thought patterns that arise? What is that experience like? And we dive deep into that in this episode, in this conversation with Chris. Um, I think that you will get a lot out of this and, and his journey and what he's been through and what he had to endure, the highs, the lows of finding his way into his true destiny path. Uh, so it's fantastic. We also dip into the mystical. We talk about this book I've mentioned a few times now called Right Use of Will, Healing and Evolving the Emotional Body. It's a profound work channeled by Sian De Rohan. Um, this book manifested itself in my on my aunt's bookshelf and it called out to me, Um, a couple of years ago and I just recently finished it. Uh, it's, it's wild. And in that book, she talks about the land of Pan, Lemuria and Atlantis and whether or not you believe that these were real places, the lessons that come from the stories of these places are incredibly valid and necessary. Because they apply directly to our experience right here, right now in modern day America, which is fascinating. So that being said, I know you guys will enjoy this fantastic conversation with my brother Chris Sage, the herbal chef. He is the man we had a lot of fun. Uh, Before I send you off on this wonderful episode, be sure to check out... EbonBritain.com for all of my latest writings and musings on health and wellness how i think uh, the way i view the world etc for the best coffee on the planet head over to invadercoffee.com use code the ebonflow all one word to get 15 percent off your next order I love their coffee so much, guys. You hear me ranting and raving about it. I look forward to it every morning. It is low acidity. It's organic. It's veteran-owned by my brother, Wes Whitlock. It's off the chain. I highly recommend it. Uh, Before, one last thing. The greatest way, as always, I appreciate you guys so much. The greatest way you can support me in this show is by rating it and reviewing it. Sharing it with your friends and family. If there's anyone out there you think a specific episode would help in any way, please share it with them. Rate it and review it on iTunes, Spotify, etc. And that's about it, folks. I hope you guys have an, an excellent day stepping into your highest greatness. Lots of love to you all. Until next time, I'll see you on the flip side. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the Ebb and Flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's great to be with you all today. Man, I'm so stoked for our guest today, the herbal chef himself, Chris Sage, man, it's so good to be with you, brother. Likewise, I, I very much uh, enjoy all of our
1: times together, and this is no different. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely, man, and I really appreciate you inviting me on your podcast that we recorded a couple weeks ago, and yeah, um, to release that. I'm very excited. Awesome, and uh, you know, in this very difficult time, it's it's so it's. It's so good to form or to feel the alliances, you know, with like-minded individuals and uh, brothers in arms as it would be. And so I really feel that way about you, man. And I feel like you're definitely a soul brother of mine. So I'm very excited to have you download my audience on your life experience, your insight, your knowledge. And so, as we were saying before I hit the record button on this deal, I have been very interested in bringing people into recognition of their intuition and our abilities as human beings to tap into deeper truths within ourselves, to help us on the way to realizing our destiny. And your story is such a profound example of that. And so I think it would be best for this conversation for you to, for us to begin with you telling my, telling your story to my audience so they can get a feel for this idea and so that they can have an idea of how to do this in their own lives or what this yeah. feeling, this sensation is of following your intuition, your instincts, your gut, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, being divinely inspired as it were.
1: <laughs> yeah. And divinely led. absolutely. Yes. Um, well, I appreciate that introduction. Thank you. Um, and I feel the very same way, man. I hope you know that I, I, I have so much deep respect for you and your ability to reflect on your life and the path that you have that you saw yourself on. And then the path that you chose, um, by following that inner instinct. Mm. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think we have a relatable story, but I originally, um, I come from a very traditional Middle Eastern background. So, um, you know, I grew up with tables of Mincef and Waragduwali and Kusa and, Um, you know, just all sorts of incredible Middle Eastern dishes. And then my entire ginormous family around all the time. And everyone's very opinionated and everyone has a very strict way of doing things. And in this Middle Eastern culture, you really only have, um, you know, a couple different ways of being successful. You're either a doctor or you're a lawyer Mm. and that that's really it beyond that, like nothing else exists, you know? And so, um, I had originally gone to, I, I had the opportunity um, to further my career in baseball and football. Um, and I was getting scouted and I had a couple uh, scholarship opportunities. And ultimately, um, I got, you know, a scholarship opportunity to like NYU and I got a scholarship to a couple different, you know, areas for football. And um, and then I got into UC Santa Cruz. Mm. And ultimately, um, I like had this epiphany that ultimately, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt myself. Like I knew that if I continued down professional sports and I knew that if I, if I kept throwing out, uh, my arm, um, that it was going to lead to surgery and then it would lead to like me not being able to fully utilize my body. Mm. Um, and I was worried. I was worried about how that might affect the rest of my life and everything else inside of that. Um, I'm going to pause just for a second. Yeah. Um, can you hear that in the background? The ringing? Yeah. Okay. Let it's me- okay. Is it, is it in the way? I can, uh,
0: let me just turn off the system. Yeah, yeah. It's all good, brother. Yeah. Pausing for a moment. My apologies. It's all good,
1: I man. I forget that I'm at my parents' house and they have a very loud, obnoxious home phone. Still,
0: they have a landline.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> um, my apologies, guys. Uh, so, essentially, I realized that I, I really didn't like. I wanted to use my brain more than I wanted to use anything else in my body, and I I love being physical. I love being active, but ultimately, I knew what was going going to happen. It's inevitable if I'm throwing 92 miles per hour and I consistently do that for years on end, there's bound to be, uh, you know, injuries that result from that. So I got into UC Santa Cruz, I tore the campus and I was like blown away and they had a robust, uh, uh, science school. Like they're known for their science. They're known for astronomy. They're known for biology, et cetera. Mm. And so what I was going to do is go there. I was going to, get my undergraduate, go to medical school and become a doctor Mm. because that was drilled into me. And, uh, at some point there, you know, I just wanted to get out of any being anywhere near my family. Um, because I love them and I love being around them. And I, and I think that there's been so many beautiful things that they've taught me and I've grown as a man, I've grown you know, in so many different respects because of my family and I genuinely appreciate the tradition that they've instilled, the love that they've instilled, the, um, the hardships that they've made me face the, you know, all the, um, self-responsibility that they've instilled, etc. So this is not to say, you know, anything bad about them, but really you just need to get the fuck out of the house sometimes mm, and yeah. you need to escape whatever, you know, uh, Frequency is invading your space. No doubt. And that's what I did. So I went to UC Santa Cruz and I was like, you know what? Done with baseball, done with football. This is going to be it for me. And uh, it wasn't exactly true because I still played sports and I, I just needed to be active. I missed it a lot. Um, the physical contact, et cetera, it, it like fueled my um, spirit as well. You know, that, that's something that's still a big part of my life is physical contact. Mm. And like being with my brothers, and being with like people that I can, you know, be uh a really in my masculine power with, um, and not seen as a threat, and not seen as a, uh, you know, um, being egotistical or being arrogant or being just really being in your masculine power. Mm. But I get there, and um, you know, the first two years were a dream. I literally have no bad things to say about anything that happened in those two years. Um, I had the time of my life. I made lifelong friends uh, that I still keep in touch with on the regular. Um, I, you know, had as much fun as one could possibly have. And I tried while I was there many different psychedelics because ultimately I was looking for answers. And I'd always felt a deep sense of connection to myself and a deep sense that I can do more and that there is more. And I took this time and really just went all out. I tried everything that I could. The first experience that I had was actually with DMT. And then I had a, or I'm sorry, the first experience I had was with uh, a low dose mushroom and then it was DMT, then it was LSD, then it was mushrooms again. And then it was, you know, I just kept trying things when it felt right. And uh, one of the experiences left me with, with psilocybin, left me with this incredible burning, like this, this burning in my heart. I don't know how else to describe it. Essentially, I, we went out to this beautiful meadow in Pogonip, up in Santa Cruz Mm -hmm. and we were all tripping that day and it was beyond absolutely beyond anything that I could have imagined. It was, um, you know, it, it just felt serene. It felt like, absolutely. I should have been there. That was my time to be there with those people at that time. Everything was synchronistic and I had this deep understanding that ultimately in order for me to be happy and in order for me to live a life that I can die with true peace in my heart and accomplish what I came here to accomplish, that I would have to take radical responsibility for everything that happened in my life. And that ultimately that led me to understand that the path that I was currently on was not due to my own uh, volition. It was due to outside, Forces um, exercising their will on, mm-hmm. and that I was not involved in the choice, or I was involved in the choice, but it was more that I was complicit in it rather than I chose it myself. Mm-hmm. So, upon that realization, as I'm like hugging a tree, crying, you know, like deep, deep in it, um, I just realized that I needed to change my life immediately. That if there was literally no time to waste and I, I sort of got a little anxious and I was like, Holy shit. Like if there's no time to waste, like then that means that I've wasted my time. And then it, you know, it, it took me a long time to work through everything because you know, those downloads, they, they have so many layers to them and you couldn't possibly truly get it at the first run. Like there's certain things that from my ayahuasca Trip or from my DMT trip or from my psilocybin trips that still download over six months, a year later. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what it meant. And this is one of those things that um, one of the things was that I didn't waste my time at all. In fact, that was how I was going to lead to my path and how I was going to become who I always had wanted to be and who I was hoping that I was. And when I woke up the next day, I had this, I literally had this fire in me that I, I I knew was there, but I had never felt like this. And I literally called, I sat there in the, in the, you know, my, my college house. And I'm looking at this giant painting of our friend who is like, has his shirt off and he's a little bit chubby. like somebody painted a six foot by four, like five foot painting of our friend wrestling a bull half naked. And it was like, I'm literally, I remember it's clear as day that I'm sitting there watching this thing. And I'm like, I have to go right now. Mm -hmm. And I went and I called my, uh, I called my mom. And that was the first call that I made. And I was like, mom, I have to tell you something. I need to leave. Mm. I need to go pursue um, what is going to make me happy. And I think (sighs) what's going to make me happy is cooking for people. I really love to make people happy through food. And I think that there is healing in everything that we eat. And I I want to create something that helps the world get feel like be better Mm. and and help the world. I don't want to just do one thing, I want to help the entire world as much as I can.
0: Not to I don't want to cut you off, but don't worry. cooking and cr- cooking and creating beautiful meals for people that changed the way they think about the world. Was that part of this? How did that come into your realization?
1: Well, this is the part why I mentioned my family. Because Mm. I started to reflect on all the times in my life that I was truly joyous, that I really like had joy in my heart. I had little uh, conflict and I was just truly happy. And every single time I was with my friends, I was with my family and I was eating food Mm. every single time. It didn't matter like how cool something was or like, you know, all those memories are still there, but the first memories that I ever thought of were being with my family and eating with my friends and family and and cooking with my grandmother. And um, you know, all of this real like instances that, you know, helped me understand who I truly was and really what was making me happy. So that was how I realized like I need to do that. I need to be able and and you know, another realization that I had was I was like, I'm eating this shitty cafeteria food that if I don't have my mother's and my grandmother's fucking melfoof ever again in my life, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna literally lose my mind. Like I need, I need to be able to have that. And I realized that if no one was going to carry on those traditions, I was going to do it. And then all of a sudden, synchronistically, I realized that all of it was meant for me. Like it was there for me. And I just didn't put it together until I had been able to step outside of my current worldview and then realize, you know, what was the abundance around me that I had to actually choose from. And I say choose because ultimately your path is, is your choice. Like you can, there's so many predetermined or there's so many much talk about predetermination, but in reality you are co-creating your reality with your vibration, with your frequency, with your choices. And the universe is relentlessly on your side to accomplish these things. And so it it was really a choice that I had that I wanted to fulfill my duty of helping the world through my medium being food. Mm -hmm. And that was essentially what started me off on what was a long and treacherous, you know, journey to um, learn how to become what now I can comfortably call myself a chef that, you know, owns a business that I'm able to make, you know, money and make people happy. And not only am I able, you know, the Japanese have a word for it. It's called ikigai. Mm. And it's, you know, what the world needs, what you can make money at, uh, what you love, and what you're passionate about. And when you can combine all of those, you've reached ikigai. And that is what I have found. I thought about it and I was like, what do I, how do I want all of this to happen? And I, designed in my mind, what the perfect job would be. And within three years, um, I'd say that I was doing exactly what I had, what I had
0: envisioned.
1: Um, Not, not to the extent that uh, there was no more room for improvement and no more room that I wanted to grow. But to the extent that I looked back at one point in, you know, that was in 2012, and then in one point after that it was it, i i looked back and i was like oh my god i i i did the things that i wanted to do and now i'm learning from in you know incredible chefs and i'm learning from people from around the world and i'm doing things that i never would have you know really thought
0: that um i would do hmm. it's amazing so, dude so I don't, did you, did you say what your mother said to you when you told her you had, you were leaving? (laughs) No, she was
1: bawling, bawling. Like, how could you do this? You're throwing away your life. Yeah. Please, please don't do it. Like fucking crazy. But you know, you got to feel for her too. For sure. She's coming from an old school mentality. Mm -hmm. where there's only a few jobs that are going to make money that, you know, live a good life. Yeah. She wants that for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I just, she literally would call me every single day, crying, crying, asking me to reconsider. And I was like, mom, you don't get it. You don't get it. This is not about you. You don't have to live my life. You don't have to wake up in the morning and live with my decisions. I do. Mm -hmm. And therefore you have no power in this. Mm. and I was, I was, I basically cut myself off from any monetary uh, value that I was receiving from anybody, and I, um, at that point, my parents had, I I moved back home so that I could figure out my job situation, and, you know, what I wanted to do, because I was going to go to culinary school, and I was going to take it alone for that, and um, basically, the chef that I met with of a two Michelin star restaurant in LA, um he told me, he's like, don't fucking waste your money. You're gonna oh. waste your money. Come into the kitchen, see if you even like it. Oh. And so I did. I came in the next day and I fell in love. I was at home. Like I loved every part of it. Mm. And I worked for free for months. My parents had found out that I used consumed cannabis. And as we talked about in the podcast that I had you on for Of Earth, um There was, uh, you know, like I was using it to regulate my system so that I could have an actual, uh, you know, I could go to bed at a certain time. I could eat food while I was also taking Concerta and all of these other things. And at that time, um, you know, I was using cannabis in a really responsible way for the most part. And I also had my medical card. My parents find this medical card and they go ballistic. And I'm like, I don't want to go to jail for having a fucking joint on me. Mm-hmm. So this is why I got my medical card. And I use it often and for these reasons. And they just one ear throughout out the other. And so I essentially got kicked out of the house. And I was living in my car um, on, in Upper West uh, West LA. And I was working 14 to 16 hours a day going into my car, sleeping getting up and then going and doing it again. And I was just, I was like so determined that I had like, like I told you every day that fire was waking me up and it was like, Hey, you got shit to do. We're here for a reason. We're like you, you found purpose. We're doing this. This is not a joke. This is not fake. This is not a fleeting feeling. This is something that you feel deep down is calling you and you need to go for it. And I couldn't ever have imagined why at that time. But looking back on it, it was very clear what I had to go through. Mm -hmm. I had to go through all of that. I had to be that what that did was make me completely Mm self-reliant. Meaning I didn't ask anything from anybody. And And if I didn't have something, I didn't have it. And I had to earn it. And it got to the point where I started to get paid finally. And I, you know, I started to look for an apartment and I started to like build my life. Um, and that was a really monumental moment for me because I felt that I had, I was just in the shit, like totally in the shit. And I very slowly climbed my way out of that. But never did I have doubt in my heart that I was doing the right thing. I did have doubt with what the fuck am I going to do? Where am I going to all of a sudden get all this money from that I need? Where am I going to, you know, what if my car breaks down? How do, you know, just all the stuff that you go through when making, taking that leap of faith that you genuinely have no idea. And I realized that I was expecting too much. Like I can't expect things. I have to allow myself, like the way that I look at life is that we are a drop of water in a river. We have the, you know, defining edges of the river. And that is essentially our consciousness. And we can, we have choice within that. We are in a light beam, like the river that's flowing down. And there's no escaping that. We, we, are, we are in a stream right now. We are in a frequency and we are flowing. But ultimately, we have the choice. It wasn't about creating something rigid for myself and creating something so structured that you have to uh, follow it. It was about creating a guideline of what I really wanted out of life and then co-collaborating with the
0: universe in making it happen. Hmm. So powerful, man. So powerful. A few things in there um, that I want to highlight is... The external reaction, your mother, your parents, your family, your friends, everybody thinking you're fucking crazy oh, yeah. for for leaving this preconceived uh idea of what a successful life was going to be um and then which is an important thing to highlight because as you take that leap of faith under your destiny path, you're, the universe tests you along the way before it gives you the fortune. Before you get to the city of gold, you have to go through the fucking jungle, you know? And so there's that. And then um, all of that, you know, and then the tests keep keep amping up now you're living in your car and because you're dedicated to this, your, your sense of truth, this calling that's undeniable in yourself. And so the universe keeps testing you. You sure this is what you want to do? You sure this is what you want to do? And you just keep coming and you say, yeah, you wake up every day and you're like, there's no choice for you anymore. There's no choice. And so, and then one day you wake up and you look back and you're like, "Whoa, I fucking get it. <laughs> I fucking succeeded on this dream I had. And that's so powerful, man. You know, that's so powerful to continue to take that leap of faith. Um, With your Middle Eastern background, there's this fantastic Sufi tale of Mojude. Have you ever heard this? No, I don't think so. Um, so one of my favorite guys to listen to is Osho mm-hmm. and Osho tells the story of the, of Mo Jude. and Mo Jude was a pretty average dude who had a well-respected job as the commissioner of weights and balances. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like an abstract uh, occupation that, you know, right. I don't think there's much to relate to. It's like a government job right. today. And one day, Kidder, Kidder is the Sufi uh, center of the self. Kidder is the representation of your inner truth, your inner light, the your direct connection to spirit manifests as Kidder, and so Kidder um, appears to mo Jude one day and he says you have to leave your job and you go to the river and mo Jude says all right i guess are you sure kidder's like yeah leave your job You go to the river so that day mo Jude goes to his his boss and he says you know what i i can't do this job anymore i've got to go i've been called elsewhere so he goes to the river Kidder appears again. He says, take off all your clothes and jump in the river. Perhaps someone will save you. Without questioning it at all, Mojude takes off all his clothes and he jumps in the river. And because he could swim, he doesn't drown, but he he floats down this river for a little while. And a fisherman pulls him into his boat eventually. And Mojude starts living with the fisherman and the fisherman teaches him how to fish and the ways of the river and how, how everything works in and, and that, and that way of life. And the fisherman doesn't know how to read or write. So Mojude teaches him these things. And he does this for three years. Kidder never shows up again until three years later. He's standing at the foot of his bed and he says, Mojude, oh, you've done your duty here. You're going to leave here right now, and you're going to go to this town, and there will be money for you, and you'll get a job at the grocery store. And Mojud, without skipping a beat, he gets up and he goes, and he takes, he walks, leaves this house in the middle of the night, and he goes to this other town where Kidder instructed him to go, and he gets a job as a grocer, and there he's got money and a job provided for him. And the, the tale continues as Mojude sort of works his way back up the ladder of life. And the, the, the gist of the story is that when spirit, divinity, when the universe starts to take you on the path that's your destiny, at first there is no absolutes because you have to be willing to take the leap of faith. And through taking that leap of faith, you earn the universe's trust, and the universe feeds that, and it fuels that to eventually the point where there is no, um, there is no possibility of failure or of falling flat on your face because now you've given yourself completely over to God, and everything you need will be provided for you as you, as it comes. And you know your life path and your destiny, and just being. Sensitive enough to allowing yourself to follow that. You know, it's a testament to who you are today and and the work you do and how your life has completely blossomed into, you know, providing not only beautiful food for people around the world, but expanding the, the awareness and consciousness around the power of plant medicine cannabis, psychedelics, and really giving people a way into the benefits of these medicines. Because that's sort of, you know, food is such a, food is something you come to the table and it's, it's such a um, enlightening experience. It's such an, an open experience because everyone enjoys good food. So when you add in the aspect of education and something to something higher, to take away from that experience, you can leave the dinner table or you know the table in general enlightened in a way. Absolutely,
1: I mean i I look at it as there are many ways to nourish one another uh, energetically. There's you can give somebody a compliment, you can give somebody a high five. You can hug somebody, you can kiss somebody, you can, you know, uh, make love, you can feed somebody. And I think that feeding somebody is the only one that nourishes them in a way that, which allows them to go on and, uh, accomplish what their soul has been longing for. Mm. So we're actually giving energy to go on and spread their message and their, you know, uh, path to, to give them energy to go along their path uh, but you said something I love that uh, is really interesting to me because you you talk about creating that trust with the universe having you know buying in basically mm-hmm. and we're taught this in a lot of things especially in sports you have to buy in you have yeah. to buy in. you have to buy in otherwise the whole system doesn't work yeah And so I was accustomed to hearing that. And I didn't realize that it was directly speaking to my soul Mm. in that I have to, I, I think that you create more than anything. You create trust within yourself, trust within your own decisions. And that in there lies freedom because you never are beholden to something outside of yourself now. Mm. You have that power you've cultivated that power and in in how you express you cultivated that trust, and what I think happens is you now become one with that divinity you now become you walk within it, and you may not uh you know fly and express your divinity in the esoteric ways in which we conventionally think about it but though that is walking within that divinity is still divinity there is mm. there is beauty and there is that universal God like, uh, or, you know, connection to God. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think, you know, whether, whether you want to call it God or you want to call it prana or you want to call it, you know, source or whatever you, that the the word that you, um, that feels like home
0: for you is what you are connecting to. Yes. No doubt, man. Yeah. You know, that's really the issue with, that's, that's been my issue with religion in particular, is that it's displaced man from his connection to God, Yeah, you know, which is really, it's such an individual uh, relationship, you know, and we all have that inside, and we are all connected to that source of creation, of happening that can guide us if we are available to it.
1: Yeah, if we are listening absolutely yeah. you yeah. have to be open and receptive otherwise everything seems to be completely off the table for you yeah uh, you know one of the things though is i i took some time and it really hit me hard and i had to really dive into my spirituality because i had all these experiences but i didn't really have the spiritual maturity mm. to truly dissect and understand them yeah and so I was in a mode of constant like trying to find out scratching clawing digging in any possible way that I could to figure out where uh my you know how I could find answers mm. and it took me a long time to realize that my spiritual journey was ignited at that moment not that it I figured it all out at that moment mm. um, yeah. and it it was years and still is years of processing and trying to really understand uh, the true nature of the downloads that I've been receiving and um, how I want to manifest in my own life and um, create that you know divine connection with myself yeah there was you know a good few years after that where I felt like a combination of like, I trust myself. I trust my inner heart. I trust, I know where I'm going, but I'm following blindly. Like Mm. I, I have no idea what's actually in front of me, but I know that I need to go this way. And that was, you know, a part of the testing is I think as well. Yeah. And I think that if you, if you don't go through these things, it's impossible, not impossible because you can achieve anything. I think through meditation and through going inward. Mm. But I think, that these are the trials and tribulations in which offer the ability to go so deep into yourself that you actually like truly understand these uh, items about yourself. Mm -hmm. You truly understand that uh, you have to trust yourself. You have to uh, have this sense of reliability within yourself. Otherwise it can all be taken away from you. If you're Mm -hmm. always speaking outside yourself. Yes. I think and that's, that's where, that's where my problem with religion lies as well is it, it continually pushes the agenda of seeking outside yourself to truly uh, find peace and love and joy. Yeah, I don't agree with that notion. I just yes. don't. Everybody that I've ever seen that truly loves themselves, that truly picks up on what, you know, we can all agree that love is, is a, not just a word or an action but it is an ethereal presence it Mm. is a way of life yeah Uh, those that really truly understand that uh don't you know it it doesn't seem to me that they rely outside of themselves more often than not that uh that that joy and that love and that true connection uh lies outside of themselves they believe that it is within them
0: Mm. yeah um there's so much good stuff here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote some notes uh because you you were so much was coming to mind as you were talking. Um, and you know this this is a this is an issue of the human experience that is being revealed in such obvious ways in 2020 through this experience of, you know, the coronavirus and other things that are happening, um, racial injustice issues in our country, et cetera. And the role of media, social media, science, you know, it's not just religion. There's science as well. Science is becoming a religion for people. Absolutely. And it's, it's people are being led down these rabbit holes of blind faith, trusting people who are compromised in the information that they're spreading. Absolutely. And so I was having this conversation earlier um, with some guys that I work with. And it's, it's occurred to me in the vein of what you're talking about that I don't have any faith or trust in External sources anymore. The people I have a great deal, I live my life with a great deal of faith and trust, and really what it comes down to is having faith in the universe, God, Spirit, my higher power, my higher self, and trusting my intuition. And really from there, I mean, outside of that, I don't, everything else I take with a grain of salt, you know. And someone yeah. might say, Someone who hasn't come to this in their own life might say, Wow, that's really sad. You don't trust anyone, you know. <laughs> but the truth but the truth of the matter is I live my life with a great deal of trust because I have I have cultivated this ironclad belief in myself and my intuition and my heart and in my connection with the higher power.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, something that you said right there. Is that you don't trust anything outside yourself. It doesn't mean that new information from outside sources don't get internalized. Right. It means that you have to hold it within yourself first. Yeah. And, and then you yourself, while weighing it in your heart, can decide whether that is your truth as well, or whether you believe uh in certain information given your life experiences. Meaning that in a very simple example, if somebody tells you eating, uh, red meat is bad. And then you look at all of the different, you know, MDs that have come forward and talked about how iron and deficiencies are plaguing, you know, Americans and, uh, and beyond. And that, you know, a lot of the different things that we're eating are valuable in red meat, et cetera, et cetera. And you, and you, and then you look at the opposite side and then you weigh in your heart, what yes. does my yes. body feel best with? Yes. and then you eat red meat and your body feels amazing, then that is what you listen to. It is right. people think it's just so black and white, but it is literally years of tuning yourself into your higher power, yeah. tuning yourself into the universe, God, prana, etc. cetera, your physical then, body. Yes. And then, and then holding that within yourself to really weigh if you believe that
0: that is true or not. That's so beautifully said, dude. Um, The other thing that came to mind as you were talking was Carl Jung, I believe, is the one who said that study without experience is meaningless and experience without study is meaningless. So we need the two to have a whole, uh, a, a complete view of our life experience. Absolutely. You know, and so, and what you were saying, because this has occurred to me is, and other things I wrote down, um, because your, I think it was such an acute observation of psychedelic downloads happening over a month, six months, years, things that you experience in your psychedelic experiences and your psychedelic journeys really don't make sense until other things sort of come into play and other pieces of the puzzle come in um, to your awareness. And, you know, I've had this experience lately, for instance, I'm reading this book, right use of will. And I talked about this before on the podcast, but this morning I was reading more of it. And, you know, the two main issues that it calls into observation of our experience right now in 2020 is judgment and denial have been massive hindrances to our expression of our free will. Um, And it starts to talk about, so then it, it goes into telling stories about the earliest civilizations on Earth, uh, the land of Pan, Lemuria, and then Atlantis. And whether or not you want to believe in these places as being real or not is sort of a side issue to this whole point. But the way it discusses the land of Pan and how life apparently operated during that time I'm reading this book and I'm thinking to myself, my God, I've had dreams that are like this. I've had dreams in my mind. I can't exactly place how it makes sense, but I've experienced what these words are saying in this book. In some past life, in some past memory, in some far distant experience of the spirit that is now known as Eben. And that's sort of been a recurring thing, you know, and it's, it goes to that thing of study without experience is meaningless. Experience without study is meaningless because we have to get out and live our lives and experience our lives and follow our heart and follow our instincts of where life is taking us. But we also have to come back to the, ancient works but not even the ancient works just the work of others that's been put down into books people have taken the time to write things down you know and when you think about we've just been so disillusioned you know people have been so disillusioned in life that we fail to recognize or we fail to appreciate the depth and the um the trials and the life experiences of others, because we seem to think that we take it all for granted. You know, and when you think about what this life is, and it goes to this preconceived notions of what a successful life means, particularly in the West, in the first world. Um, And, you know, part of one of our major issues right now, and this is something I think this connects: um, masculinity and rites of passage. And your story, you—it it really this came across to me, and it resonated very deeply with me because I—I've been thinking about this myself. You know, we lack rites of passage in our in our culture, in our modern day culture. There's no, you know, in ancient tribal cultures, when young boys and girls, when you reached a certain age, you went and there was, there were rituals, there were ceremonies, there were things that happened. You were sent out into the forest. You were left in a cave (laughs) to have an experience, you know? And so for you talking about how you had to get the fuck out of your house, that's, that's a totally natural sensation. I had the same thing. You know, I went off to the University of Arizona, my family was all in LA, and I could have gone to UCLA or USC, but I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, You know, and part of football in a way is, is very much provides you with a systematic rite of passage. Yeah, But also your experience with psychedelics and you're diving into the plant medicine sort of intuitively. Yeah. Because we are seeking these rites of passage that are lacking in our culture right now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't, I'm not exact. there's no question in there. I'm really just throwing that up to you as to hear your thoughts on that because I feel like we need to institute that and I was listening to this guy, Robert Bly, who's, who's an American poet. He's in his 90s now, but there's all these incredible talks he's given on masculinity you know, and fatherhood and how yeah. it comes down to us as parents now. The onus is on us and yeah. not to feed our children to the machine, the giant that is television and media, which right. we so easily do. And we're so easily manipulated by um You know
1: something that you said about how there's rite of passages in football. I think that there's different rite of passages like the rite of passages in uh our current world are really broken up they're not they're not a fluid rite of passage in which um I believe that we would have had given you know an experience two thousand years ago, five thousand years ago, or with Pan Lumeria, and Atlantis. Um, being that our life is more fluid and connected with the ether and connected with with our deepest self, uh, where I feel now our rite of passages are broken because if you think about it, what happens in uh, what happens in football is that you are essentially receiving physical rites of passage. there are a lot in you know i I played sports for 18 years out of my life and there were many rites of passage within there uh, that I had to overcome physically and mentally because I had to persevere through something that I could not possibly think that I could make it through. And you face that wall quite a bit in those physical challenges, but that is not a spiritual challenge and that is not, it could be considered if you really want to stretch it, but the, the main focus of that is the physical um, uh, pa- rite of passage that you're claiming at that point. And I think that we are missing the spiritual rite of passage mm. that you're discussing. And a lot of it has to do with masculinity and femininity. And I think that in today's world, our, like uh, you're, you're a little bit older than me, but I think that our parents' um, generation a lot of them especially in the middle eastern culture and especially in a lot of the eastern cultures have this uh toxic masculinity
0: mm-hmm.
1: pardon me <laughs> uh, sorry it's so uh, good, man. um but we are our, our families and our elders they grew up in a way that had toxic or in toxic masculinity, meaning that they could they felt that if they showed any sort of weakness that or any femininity that they were uh, less than they weren't a man. Yeah. And I do not believe that to be true. I think that in order to truly embody your full masculinity, you also have to embody the femininity that is in within you. In, in 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 the vice versa. In order to truly embody femininity and your divine feminine, you have to embody the masculinity within you. No doubt. Sorry, right, Evan. I'm uh, I my sinus is just leaking right now. I'm gonna grab a, a Do tissue. Do it, man. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on
0: that, was- on that note, man. I think you know it's so. So well put, what you were saying. Um, Robert Bly also talks about how over the last few centuries, there has been this Hercules complex put on men. So that we feel as though if we're not victorious and we're not experiencing immense external success, then we're complete failures. And what does a man do if he's a failure? But the truth of masculinity is really found in man's descent into himself. All of the great mythological tales of manhood and masculinity discuss the descent into the underworld and descent into sorrow, grief, anxiety, fear, terror, you know, and coming to terms with all of those things to emerge back onto the surface as a more complete man and you know that's part of the and i so i guess to round it out the rites of passage and our lacking of that that really provided us with the structure of our spiritual life you know that was the scaffolding by which we could have gain an understanding and an awareness of our inner spiritual life that's happened you know and you know I always come back to Western civilization. Um, I've had conversations with people now where it, maybe it's more acutely a first world issue. Um, but it really comes down to materialism and consumerism and us being seduced into this idea that life is just a process of consumption and you know what we can get. And how we can, you know, we'll get, we'll feel happy and we'll feel joy when that thing happens. When I get that job, when I get that car, when I get the house, then I'll feel happy. When I get all that money, that's when I'll feel happy. And this has created such an immense lacking in people. You know, and such an immense um, amount of suffering because we're constantly seeking once again for the external validation of our worth in life, you know, and something else that I think is so important about your story, man, that really, that, that hit me is living your life in a vibe, in a, in a vibration of joy, like thinking you going back and thinking about what, what is my, what are the moments in my life where I've experienced complete happiness and joy and just been in the complete flow of the universe. And it's when I'm with the people I love cooking and enjoying the foods of my culture and of my ancestry and of my family. And, you know, that sounds sort of abstract and, or it can sound abstract and, obscure to most Americans because we think that we have to slog through life and we have to just like grind through the job that we hate because that's how we make money and that's how we climb the corporate ladder. And it's so backwards.
1: I mean the, the notion that I just have to work this eight hour a day job so that I can go live my life is asinine to me. Yeah. It means that you genuinely do not care about your life. <laughs> you genuinely, like, do not care about the eight hours a day, which means you spend 30% of your life sleeping and you spend the other 30% of it working.
0: Yeah.
1: You're working a nine to
0: five. In a vibration, in a very low vibration of hate, resentment, anger, frustration. Right. And I
1: believe that a lot of these systems were imposed on us. This mm-hmm. matrix that we currently find ourselves in, we're in a financial medical matrix that is, um, you know, uh, yeah. is our bubble. Yeah. That's what we know. That is what we are manipulated through. That is what we know. And you you have the choice to either acquiesce or you have the choice to say, to stand up and say, fuck you, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And- then find your way out of that out of that system. If you really think about it, there's not one major life event that you go through without going into debt.
0: Hmm.
1: You can't buy a house without getting into debt. You can't buy a car without getting into debt. You can't get an education without going into debt. You can't get anything, have a baby even. Yeah,
0: have a family. Right,
1: yeah. having debt. So everything is designed on a debt basis. Yeah. And if we look far, if if you like in an esoteric way, that is a form of manipulation Uh is constantly putting people in a state of fear. That is is absolutely a form of manipulation. And if you want concrete examples, you start to go into the real financial system that runs the world, which is the Federal Reserve. Mm. If you start to break it down and you want to go into the actual third dimensional reason that all this bullshit exists then you start to look at where the money is coming from and where our debt is going to. Mm -hmm. And if you want to look at the esoteric, the, the, you know, transdimensional, the, um, uh, sort of, you know, the frequency in which we are, are being kept, um, then that's a whole nother thing. We are being plagued with these weights that do not, that are literally illusions they do not need to exist in order for the world to run and they do not need to exist in order for you to feel fulfill, fulfilled. Yeah. And so, but in that in that third dimensional example, we're talking about a system that is a private bank that literally lends money to all of our major institutions and governments around the world. Mm. Yet people still cannot comprehend where and
0: why there is definitive corruption within our systems. Yeah. And well, he, it's really hard. It's really hard when you're slogging away, grinding it out in your nine to five job, trying desperately to just put food on the table. It's almost like they designed it that way. That's exactly. That's crazy. And to your point, you know, to, to your po- earlier point, the universe relentlessly supports you. And that goes both ways. So if you're living a life in a very low vibration, the universe says, oh, that's what you want. So let's perpetuate that. Let's give you more of that life. You live 30% of your life in a very low vibration. That's I guess that's what you want. So that's what we're going to do. You're going to live more of your life in that low vibration. But if you can find your way to climb that fucking ladder out of the matrix, And you peek your head up and see the light through the blinds. And all of a sudden you start living a life of joy and a life of compassion and gratitude. The fucking whole thing starts to spiral the other way. And the universe starts to go, okay, let's fill your fucking life up with this, man. Let's fill your life up with more love, more positivity, more gratitude, more compassion. The Absolutely. fucking people around you are going to feel that. And it's just going to perpetuate that.
1: And but we is. don't learn
0: these things. We don't learn these. We don't. It, it takes a, you know, I'm 32. I'm going to be 33 in two weeks. Um, you know, and when I think about that, I'm like, fuck, I'm pretty young. You know, I'm pretty young to have come to a lot of the realizations that I have. So I feel very blessed and I have a lot of gratitude for that. But really, all I can attest that to is from the time I was a little kid, following my instincts, following my intuition, going where the universe has taken me, you know. And there's been a lot of darkness too. Yeah, so That's not to say that there hasn't, you know, I've had uh, gut-wrenching, vomit Vomit-inducing lows, Yeah. Darkness that feels unimaginable in my life right now. Yeah. And you, you, know? you would upon your worst enemy. Yeah. You know, I think that there's
1: something to that, too. I think, you know, you, you put fire to something and you mm-hmm. see whether it turns into, you know, iron or you see if it completely combusts. Yeah. And I think that is you know, it's, it's all, it has to rely in a choice that you make, because if we really take the gamut of human beings that have ever done anything, I mean, there's people that have lost their legs and limbs and there's people that have watched their parents get shot. There's people that go through chronic illness. There's people that, you know, just horribly traumatic things and like not to diminish anybody's tragedy. What I'm trying to say is, that ultimately we all go through these immeasurable tragedies that you couldn't possibly compare how one person sees their own tragedy to how you see your own tragedy. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you see people on both sides of the spectrum afterwards. You see people that take the tragedy and then they let it forge them into the strong iron person that they were, that chooses love that chooses the higher path or you see them break down and get weak and allow themselves to spiral into a negative space that is perpetuated exactly as you described by the universe, because that is what you are expelling. Yes. I feel that it is absolutely insane for any rational person to try and defend their ability to be held down. Mm. It is absolutely against their greatest purpose to, to give reasons why they shouldn't have their wildest dreams. They shouldn't Mm. have their true happiness, their success, their health, their, you know, whatever it is. And if you bring that up to people, There has been programming so well done that if bring up the mere fact that if somebody wants more in their life, that there is a way to attain it, they will fight with tooth and nail to tell you why they can't. Yeah. What the actual fuck? (laughs) Like, Tell me for one second how that makes any sense.
0: It doesn't. It doesn't at all. But it's like you said, man. If you come back to, because I do that, I I have these thoughts frequently these days, you know, and I have to, when I drop myself down into that vibration, that's sort of one of my gifts. I'm able to clear myself of my understanding of the world and drop myself back down because I've been there. I've been in that situation. You know, and you have to have compassion for people because the conditioning and the programming is so masterful, it's so ingeniously constructed, and this world has been so ingeniously constructed around us. Going back to something we were talking about before I hit the record button and why I think psychedelics are so. Vitally important, especially in this day and age. And I read this thing, Rudolf Steiner, this quote from Rudolf Steiner, and he said that with the immense amounts of electrical frequencies running through the airwaves in this stage of human existence, it's vitally important that people cultivate a spiritual inner life. Because before it was much easier to be a human. Yeah. It was much easier before we had um, the entrenched technology and systems of civilization put into place. It was much easier and simpler to just be and to live. and it was much, You had a much clearer idea of where to go and what to do with your life. Now, there's so much interference, uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we are electrical energy beings. You know, we function on electricity and magnetism. Our hearts yeah. give off a massive electromagnetic frequency. And that is physics. There's right. no... There, that's there's not there's like a, that's not a conspiracy theory <laughs> thing.
1: Right. You know? to- For those that genuinely try to dissuade themselves from truly understanding the nature of reality, which is that we are electromagnetic beings and that we exist on an electromagnetic plane and that all things, all things have an electromagnetic pulse because that is what they are. Everything is like a, a, if you look at a neutron, it has positive and negative ions. That is exactly what it is, it's there's... And we're made up of billions of those. Yes. So for, for those that don't understand that there is all of these frequencies, every, life can be defined just by understanding frequency yeah. and vibration. Mm-hmm. That is the, the core of life, the core essence of life. And it can be explained and understood in, in a cosine and sine wave.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. The entirety of life. And so when people, you know, start to uh, question this and they start to really ask the, the right questions, they realize that all things are affecting us, including the radio, including the TV, including every single piece of electromagnetic uh, electromagnetivity around us yeah. that is taking place. And to like, that is why um, for years, you know, I, I read this book called Oneness, and it was a tra- uh, it was a download uh, that was written down by a person named Rashad, and they uh, I found it in the bookstore one day, and I was just like, it was I was blown it away. Called I, to you, yeah, it absolutely did. But I it, I remember it took me like sometimes a month to read a chapter. Uh huh. I couldn't. I couldn't even re like i had to sit there and download that for yeah. the next month because it was so intellectually and spiritually dense yeah um one of the things that i take from that is how we have the ability to really um you know change our energy and and, and to protect our energy we have the ability so there's what's called a merkaba and mm-hmm. it yeah. Essentially, a three-dimensional um, like Star of David, right? And is what goes back into all of these other, you know, conspiracies that would, you know, we can talk about another time. But essentially, a third th- to, to get to give you the visual, it's a three-dimensional uh, Star of David, and yeah. so two triangles that you know create a box. And what the ancients knew was that in order to travel through dimensional planes. And that can be consciously or unconsciously. You have to create a very strong merkaba because you have to build that within yourself. You have to find your um, your sanctuary, and mm-hmm. when you build up that robust merkaba, that energy shield, you can at least swat away the majority of the bullshit that is being that is constantly being thrown at you in every conceivable direction. Um, to relate back exactly what you said that, you know, what, what Steiner uh, said. And um, it's, it's just, it's absolutely true. There is a, it is a worthwhile pursuit to create your energy shield that protects you from everything that is
0: going on around you. Absolutely, man. And, And, you you know, I think that process has to begin with deprogramming yourself. Yeah. And so what does that mean? And that's why I think psychedelics are so vitally important is because psychedelics dissolve the illusions that you've come to believe and hold true around yourself. Because really when we're, when we're living our lives, we're living our lives through a very specific lens of perception. Yeah. And it's all, we're living our lives through this filter of beliefs and ideas and, uh, boundaries and walls and things that have been put on us and things that we have come to uh, believe are true about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing and what's right and what's wrong. And psychedelics dissolve that and they obliterate all of that shit, <laughs> you know? And so as you, and I I, I was listening to a, I'm a, I say this all the time. I come back to, I'm constantly listening to talks of people that I love and respect. Alan Watts, Ram Dass, Osho. This guy, Robert Bly, is one of my new favorites. Just his downloads on masculinity and the nature of manhood are just profound. And um, You know, because we have to be students of life. We have to be continue to be students. You know, I don't think you can ever the moment you think you've got it all figured out is the moment you're totally fucked. Right. (laughs) You know, Um, but Ram Dass was talking about this thing of how fun it is to remember, how fun it is to forget and then remember. And I've had that exact experience through my practices of meditation and then my use of psychedelics where I will completely forget things. Things that I've carried with me my entire life, I'll fucking completely forget about. it, And then one day I'll be doing the dishes and this thing will come back into my mind and I'll go, oh my God, how ridiculous was that idea? (laughs) Like what, in what realm of reality does that idea hold true at all? It's so silly and it can be something so... It can be something as simple as the government system, the system of having a president and having, and all of these, you know, and the the absurdity of that entire hierarchy of power, the president, Congress, House of Representatives, the Senate, like, and these people and these really these old white dudes who have no interest in the well being and health and survival of, of the, the average American citizen are making, are put in, in positions to make decisions about what's best for us. It's like this is absurd. You know, and, and that goes that spans every aspect of my life lately, it seems like. Yeah, Because I find myself completely confronted with the hypocrisy and absurdity of the system that I've been brought up in, yeah. which, you know, and again, that's no fault of anyone's because our parents were subjected to it and their parents were subjected to it and their parents and their parents and so on. And we were led to believe all these certain things in the history of our species and where we come from and who we are and what we're doing here. And when you really break it down, it's like, what a fucking weird thing it is to be a human. <laughs> you know, what a, but what a profound thing. Because you look around, there's nothing like a human. There's nothing like us. We Absolutely. stand on, we stand on two legs. We have these incredible bodies that are magnificent creations that we could do anything with. We have these minds, this consciousness that is so vast. It's incomprehensible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's devastatingly incomprehensible, the vastness of the human experience. And we take it for granted. Like we're all just like walking around doing jobs like, going to your fucking job as a financial advisor. Like, going to your job as this and that. And it's like, uh, what? You know? What?
1: I laugh all the time at this. Because, I'll, you know, you've heard of the cosmic giggles. Yes. Right?
0: Oh, I have it all the time, dude. And,
1: like, sometimes I'll just be in, in my mind. And I'll, I'll think about that. And I'll think about the absurdness. That people are like, I'm definitely right, and that person's a fucking idiot. Yeah. About literally, regardless, it doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. It like there's no the absurdness of the human experience has gotten to an all time high now. Yeah. Where I genuinely see it as a joke. Like I genuinely cannot comprehend it any other way.
0: Yeah, it's the cosmic joke, man. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. But that's exactly what you're describing. You know, and we're so hung up on our righteousness and our individuality and our our conceived idea of truth and what's right. And it's like, all right, do you even, are you paying attention, you know? Yeah.
1: Do you not realize that like there's an infinite amount of truths in the world? Yes. That's, that's the part that really gets me. And what I feel that people don't understand when this notion is brought up, because this exact notion is brought up in across many different TV shows, you know, many different podcasts, right? But I think that the, the hardest part to really get down and to understand from a, point in which that it becomes productive mm. is that yes all of that all of that is true and ultimately the reason why you are here is in my personal belief may differ slightly from others but I believe that there is it's to find love it's to find you know true love within yourself and then emanate that mm-hmm. and vibrate on that frequency and like, ultimately that can manifest in so many different ways. You know, for me, it's through food for another person. It's through their art for another person. It's through, you know, fucking crunching numbers and, and doing shit. There's people that love that. There's people that fucking love that yeah. more power to them. I don't yeah. want anything to do with it. Yeah. But it's the power of choice. You have to choose mm. what you are involved in. You have to choose how you respond. You have to make the decision within yourself how you came here to help the world. And ultimately, because you are helping the world, you are helping yourself. Everything can be looked at in that dynamic it is a cyclical nature. Everything is cyclical, cyclical. The Taurus is how we can understand the entirety of how the universe works. Mm. Everything falls into itself and then goes out and falls into itself. Mm. That is the true nature of the universe, of humanity. Mm. And if we don't take the uh, true weight of our decisions, if we don't take responsibility for what we choose, then I don't believe we will ever know our true selves. I don't believe that we'll ever know what we truly want. And I think that it will decimate not only our minds and our lives, but it will decimate the world because people can talk at this esoteric level. But in reality, we don't just live on the, in the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. We live on the third dimension as well. Yeah. People like you who find it that you are here to bridge that gap. You're here to take something esoteric and bring it down to the third dimension. And that is what a lot of people in our age bracket are really mean to do. That yeah. is what, you know, in Oneness, she actually describes the, the children that were born in our era and uh, the children that are born, you know, afterwards and the children that are born after that and, and our future children and what they might. Do. Mm.
0: profound
1: Um, and it it's it's great to be all the way up in the fucking with the angels and to constantly be nothing can faze me i am (laughs) all i am you know uh you know i'm here to be right yeah yeah but then in reality you're here on the third dimensional plane as well yeah live in just one I think is doing a disservice to your physical body, which you are literally consistently working in tandem with. Yeah. And everyone's a bit different. It doesn't mean that you have to get in the fucking ring and you have to beat some guy's ass in order to like get across the, the truth, the true nature of humanity. But maybe it means that you do a podcast and you discuss these topics so, that you can bring something that's really esoteric and hard to grasp and then talk about it in a way that trickles down so that people that are searching for answers and searching for meaning, it clicks in their head, which then connects another dot, which then connects another dot. Yeah. And it leads them all the way up the ladder to where they're starting to have their own true understanding of their own life. Yes. And that is exactly what you've brought forth in your mission. Hmm. And that is exactly what I have brought forth in my mission. And those that follow their heart it is exactly what they will bring forth in their mission. Yeah. And I think that's why we are experiencing an unprecedented state of consciousness shifting currently in addition to the natural flow of the universe.
0: Yeah. No doubt. man. <laughs> oh. I think that's a great place to end this thing, brother um chris i mean thanks dude thank you You so (laughs) awesome so awesome to hang out with you and spend time and have these conversations and i really appreciate you know your level of understanding and every all the work that you're doing it's so important
1: likewise man and I'm, i'm just so grateful that we have this friendship and uh I'm looking forward to being in California and, and actually seeing you in person again.
0: Definitely dude. I've got some things coming up that I think you could plug into as well. Cool. that we'll also- discuss. Um, you want to let everybody know where they can follow you and find you? Yeah. Instagram. It's the
1: herbal chef. You'll see it with the blue check mark. And then um, everything is on the herbalchef.com as well.
0: Awesome. I appreciate awesome, brother. it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Um, All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did. As always, I greatly appreciate your support and your ear. If this episode really resonated with you, the greatest support you can give me is by rating it, reviewing it, and sharing it with your friends and family. Until next time, I'm Evan Britton. This is the Ebb and Flow podcast. I'm out of here. Peace.